Oh my God, you're gonna love it. Hey folks, welcome to the AI Chicks, where we're providing you cool conversations about AI for all. With each episode bringing you a different topic on how AI impacts your daily life. I am your host, Asia Corpus Wynn, and I'm always bringing you the good times, a cute smile, and great insight. And we have my girl here, my co-host. I'm Lana Hout, and I'm bringing the curls, the charisma, and that entrepreneurial energy. So today's topic is actually going to be augmented reality. What we're going to do is Asia and I are going to give our takes on it. Definitely. But we're also going to ask AI what AI thinks of augmented reality. Exactly. So for today, we are going to tell you Gemini's take on augmented reality because our guest is from... Google. Google. One of the top architect engineers from Google is joining us today. All right, so let's see what Gemini has to say. According to Gemini, AI is essential to the development and advancement of AR. AI powers many of the key features of AR, such as object recognition, scene understanding, and real-time data analysis and more. AI enables augmented reality applications to interact with the physical world in a more seamless and intelligent way. As AI continues to develop, we can expect to see AR applications become more immersive, intelligent, and useful. And on the heels of that, this is a perfect example of AI has always been in the augmented reality experiences, gaming experiences, and no one just really was utilizing this buzzword phrase now of AI. What are you thinking about this? My take on augmented reality is that's really been used mostly in gaming, but augmented reality has a lot of other opportunities to be used. So I'm kind of interested in hearing what the guest has to say about where else augmented reality is going to impact our daily life and where more consumers are going to be using it. I'm also interested in hearing about how when you're combining the augmented reality with AI, how is that going to impact wearable technology, digital avatars? Are we going to be merging into this new universe of us showing up as our digital selves? Yeah. So you want your um, emoji to come to life. I want my emoji <laughs> to come to life. That's exactly it, Aisha. I want my emoji <laughs> to come to life. Okay. Well, um, without further ado, let's get into introducing our guest, Toby Sharp. I like to think of him as the king of augmented reality. Are you knighted this man? Are you, <laughs> this man is now royalty? He works for Google's augmented reality reality division and he is the lead architect of perception systems oh, wow. so that's everything with um gaming augmented reality virtual reality uh tracking hardware devices that we interact with so he is in the trenches all day every day with ai and augmented reality and virtual reality toby will be joining us next this episode is brought to you by shopify Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. So we have Toby Sharp in the building, the Tobinator, the Tobinators, <laughs> um, and he brought his muscles. Thank you for being with me. <laughs> oh yeah, Toby. And, if you haven't figured out, we also give our all of our guests uh, nicknames. Names. So you're just gonna be Tobster and the Tobinator. Tobinator, I can live with that. <laughs> okay, yeah, Tobinator. Okay. okay. Fun fact: Toby is also a competitive powerlifter. Wow, a man yes, of many and, talents. Yeah. I've competed in competed. powerlifting. Okay, okay. Yeah, 
And now I'm just uh, a keen amateur bodybuilder. Got it. Well, we got Toby. We got AR. We got AI. So, Toby, we're so excited to have you. Why don't you tell us a little bit about your background um, in augmented reality? Well, I'm not sure how far back I should start, but I guess I got into computing pretty young. I was one of those kind of computer whiz kids. I studied math at university and got my first degree in that. And then I got into software engineering. I kind of taught myself computer science from textbooks. And I guess in retrospect, it was inevitable that I was going to end up doing software because thinking back to when I was in uh, high school, I had one of those graphic calculators and I figured out how to program it to play Connect 4, just using whatever the Casio basic calculator language was anyway so i went into software scientific computing Mm -hmm. and it just gave me a chance to bring the mathematics that i love the analytical side of thinking and also creative side as well the imagination of something new which is exactly what software and programming is i don't think there's anything else like it if i wasn't writing code I don't know what I'd be doing. So I absolutely love what I do. And then I got into image and graphics. I remember actually back in about 2000, I was working for a software company in photo editing software. And I was reading a a book by Jim Blinn. He's a computer graphics researcher. And I, I clearly remember putting the book down and saying out loud, I'm going to become a computer graphics expert. Really? I love that. And now in my mind, you're like the king of augmented reality. Yeah, he has an idea. That's just what it is. So going from the, you know, mathematics to software, computer science, to now having this specialty with perception systems, computer vision, AR, like how, how did it segue into that? At a certain point, I'd been reading all these papers from Microsoft Research, where they were starting to do incredible new things like... uh face detection, recognizing things in image. And this is the field of computer vision, right? Computer vision is the subfield of artificial intelligence, which is about perceiving what goes on in images and videos. And it's something that humans do so intuitively. We just see there's a table and there's four coasters on it. My brain isn't even having to do anything just to figure it out. But if what you see is just a grid of pixels and their color values, red, green, and blue, well, it's quite a challenge then. To the, how do you teach a computer what it's looking at? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so that field of computer vision really excited me, and I joined Microsoft Research. It was an academic research group, but also working on Microsoft products. So there I did um, some computer science publication with that group and also tried to bridge the gap between academic research and then translating those ideas into code for products and shipping those within the Microsoft platform. And I saw and read that you were, had like an essential role in what everyone knows now is like the Xbox 360. Yeah, the Kinect for Xbox yeah, 360. Yeah. So if you remember that gadget that sat on top of the Xbox yeah, and, mm-hmm. and uh, did 3D body tracking with a depth camera, it was the first depth camera, produced um 
So the world so, has yeah. you, you to thank for that. So oh my gamers, gosh, the gamers, gamers, thank uh, uh, Toby yeah. Sharp. You're welcome. <laughs> <laughs> so Toby, you know, you also kind of touched on a little bit about what computer vision is, but can you tell people who maybe are not so familiar what augmented reality is? Okay. I think most people are probably familiar with virtual reality. Some kind of goggles that you put on and they've got screens, displays inside which render graphics. And so virtual reality is graphics, but it's isolating you. It's taking you out of the real out world. Out of reality, yeah, yeah, yeah. And putting you into a different world. Augmented reality is kind of the opposite of that. Instead of complete isolation, it's actually about complete integration. Maybe I've got, like, my coffee mug here, and maybe there's a digital coffee mug in my other hand, mm -hmm. and I can actually look at them both together and bring them together and interact with them and interact yeah. with them so it'd be about like having 3d holograms that we could both look at together create or share and and look at things in 3d space i really loved your explanation of really isolation versus like in integration, integration. Yeah. yeah and so my personal mission is that integration is to actually bring 3d digital content and tools into the real world to enhance human connection and human collaboration and so now you're at google and so that's your focus now yeah so i was at microsoft 17 years uh working on those tools like Kinect and HoloLens, mm -hmm. which was the first um, big augmented reality device. And I worked on hand tracking and face tracking algorithms um, at Microsoft. And yeah, I had uh, some other offers during that time and eventually decided that I wanted to make a move to Google and to the USA. Um, and so I'm now living in California. The interesting thing about augmented reality is that it, at least from a consumer perspective, really played out in gaming, right? People understand it in gaming. Is it going to be integrated more and more in our daily lives in other ways? Yes. Well, so I mentioned HoloLens before. It's a wearable device with transparent lenses that allows you to see 3D holograms in the world. But it's pretty clunky. You know, it's big and it's heavy and it's expensive. But imagine we had just a, a light pair of sunglasses and still had three full immersion, full AI capabilities. You could be wearing those glasses as often as you want. It'd be a lot easier than taking your phone out of your pocket. Um, at that point, there's no need to have a phone in your pocket. Oh, so we were well, talking was, about that. Yeah. yeah. But before we get into that, so I'm curious, do you feel like we're already there with the products that are coming out? Or are you talking about a different, like an even more advanced version of that? I'm talking about a way more advanced version okay, than anything it. we're currently seeing today. Yeah, we're not where we want to be and not by quite a long way. Oh, wow. Okay. There are two directions you could go in. You could go towards more immersion. Like if you think about the Oculus Quest mm -hmm. devices, they're quite full immersive devices, yes. right? Yeah. But they're also uh, a little isolating, heavy, and very different to the kind of augmented reality that I'm talking about. On the other hand, maybe you've got some lightweight smart glasses, but their capabilities are quite limited, limited okay. as it. well. They're not fully immersive. Maybe they're monocular. Maybe they're not fully world-locked holograms. And oh, when you I see, see what you're saying. When you okay. see a world-locked hologram and you can't really discern, you can't really tell as you move your head around whether it's a real object or a digital object. That's wild. That is wild. And I'm like, <laughs> and then why would I want to have a digital object hanging around that's digital but I can't? 
grasp, thinking out loud. Maybe like, you can you know. grasp it. Actual 3D objects. One of the most incredible things to watch is when somebody puts on HoloLens for the first time and they look at a 3D hologram that's just hanging in midair. Right. <laughs> a cheeseburger or something. Yeah. And they look at it and think, that, wow, that's cool. But then they realize that they can actually walk around it and see it from all different angles and underneath. At that point, people realize they've never seen something 3D before that isn't the real world. Oh, yes, I yes, see. yes. Because even when we talk about 3D movies, they're not 3D. Right. It's just a left and a right image. It's yes. stereoscopic. Right. That's two-dimensional. When you see 3D holograms and the computer vision is done so well and so fast that it's absolutely locked to the world. That is an amazing experience. You know, that's why I was so interested in understanding this concept of being able to walk around and really see it from different perspectives. But that I mean, takes a lot of technology. Well, also, too, you mentioned the Oculus. And one of the things for me that is really important is about making it accessible. I talk a lot on our podcast about user interfacing, user experience, the UX, UI of different products is that is really bulky. You need a lot of space, not every person can accommodate something like that, depending on age, weight, location. Some of these products are ideal in certain types of settings. And so I love what you were saying about having things that are lightweight, more accessible. There are certain people that maybe they can't afford to fly somewhere to see a sculpture, but then they right. can have the real life 3D experience of it through AR. And then let's suppose you've enjoyed looking at it and now you want to send it to your friend. So you just send it to her kitchen table. Like a text. Like a text. <laughs> and when she comes home from work, she sees there's something on the table for her from you, and it's the sculpture. We're already waiting on the table. Yeah. So, so you're walking by your dining room yeah. table, you're okay, like, Okay, so this? basically my husband's going to never have any excuses <laughs> of sending me flowers. Oh, there you oh, go. Oh, this is going to change a lot oh, of lives. Oh, he could have <laughs> sent it via digital world. <laughs> he could have sent it AR style. <laughs> so you think that it will be incorporated in our everyday? Yeah, I mean, already it's being used in education for things like anatomy. You look at 3D diagrams of the human body and you can mm -hmm. actually look at different layers of muscle, organs, um, and this gives medical students a, a, a different way to learn and understand how things actually fit together. They use it for surgical planning. I would think that's also a better experience for them to learn. Right, because so much of our brain is about 3D geometry. Yeah. So when you've seen something in 3D, then you've got a better sense of how it fits together. So, so many different applications, or even just something simple like maps. Why do I have to look down at this screen to figure out what street I need to take. Why not just draw it on the street? All right, we're just going to go right into it right now. The wearable technology, uh -huh. right? Because what you're probably Lana's saying- Lana's favorite I subject, folks. I love <laughs> this idea of wearable technology. Uh -huh. um, curious to see how it is when these new products come out, their capabilities, and also just how user-friendly they are. Yeah. But I've seen a lot of upcoming wearable technology. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. If you wanted to call someone, maybe you have a pin on, it projects the phone number you can accept on your hand and boom, you're talking to whoever 
is calling you, right? And I think what you're talking about is, yeah, and if you were looking up directions, it, it could just have an arrow that's saying, yeah, you're going to go straight and you look on the ground and there you go because you're like, which direction am I going? I think that's really awesome. How far away do you think we are in terms of really incorporating more of that wearable technology to the point where maybe we would get rid of our smartphones? I think a lot of it we have already. We've got pretty good fitness wearables mm -hmm. uh, that can track your sleep, your steps, mm -hmm. all that kind of thing. For getting rid of the phone, we're not there yet. And a lot of it's about display and some of it's about local compute. So that's going to take quite some time still. Our phones are pretty good uh, all-round computers now. and They've got very good high-res displays, yes. cameras, play video. So if you wanted something that's going to replace all of that, I think we'll be waiting a little while still. Okay. Hold on to those smartphones, people. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I don't mind that. I never got into the Apple Watch because if I have my phone right here, right. why am I looking at my wrists? Unless the experience is drastically different, like an AR experience. Yeah, we might see things go in different dimensions simultaneously. For example, there might be one device which is just, you know, it's in your ear and you can do speech to speech. Mm -hmm. So you can talk to your AI agent and it can talk to you. But that's it. It's nothing. It's not going to display anything. Or if it wants to display something, it could display it on your phone, mm -hmm. and it'll send you something to your phone. But it, it's just uh, so that you could have a conversation going uh, all day with your AI assistant, and not have to keep pulling your phone out. We're talking about all of these like hypothetical experiences and interfacing with AI and devices and hardware. But I'm just curious, like, what would be your dream AI slash AR experience? For me personally, yeah, personally. Well, this is going to sound probably uh, really sad, but I just want remote desktop to work. Remote <laughs> desktop to work. Yeah, remote so I, desktop. I want my um, AR glasses, whatever they are, and my Bluetooth keyboard and mouse, and I want to have infinite screen real estate. Oh, so okay. I can have you know a hundred virtual monitors. Oh, I love that. And and just and put you them just wherever be I want. like my internet, but where no, I have multiple tabs open. He just wants multiple, like hundreds yeah, of tabs no, but open. It, but I love that because you're not chained to a desk. Right. You're not chained to sitting down. Right. You can be anywhere. But and I want have these your windows to connect yeah, to my needs, yeah, desktop. To, yeah. You can have everything yeah. you want and probably adjust the size if you want right. it to be bigger. And or I want exactly. all the text rendering to be good with anti-aliasing, and I can get as close as I want to it, at sort of infinite precision. Oh, so, I love that. There was practical. a movie like that with Tom Cruise. Was that the Minority Report where he could move all the screens? Yeah. So you want Minority Report. Okay, got Something it. Something like that. On a whole other end, we know a lot of people have a lot of fear, have yes. a lot of concern, things like computer vision, facial recognition, ethical issues. What do you feel are the real concerns that, that people should have versus what the media is saying people should have? Yeah, I think it's something that we should approach with caution. AI, it's a learned function. At the most simple level, you teach it what you want it to do by feeding it data, input and output. Take A and make it like B. Mm -hmm. And so if you're doing something like face recognition or face detection, you have to feed your algorithm with a bunch of images of faces and a bunch of images of not faces. As long as you've labeled each one correctly, it learns to tell the difference between face and not face. You introduce bias into that process by the training data that you choose. Mm -hmm. If anyone starts to talk about an area like, oh, we can use this to prevent crime, 
to tell whether somebody looks guilty or not. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we'll get rid of the jury and we'll just oh, use wow. AI in a system or process that has some human impact that we have to think about, well, what are the biases that are being introduced here? You don't just abdicate all responsibility to an algorithm because it's a computer. Computers learned based on some programming choices, based on data sets. There have been plenty of examples in the press already about uh, face detection algorithms that have been biased by the training data. So it's very important that we handle those things carefully, and especially that I think in policy decisions. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. You brought up a really great point, which is something that I am very passionate about. The humanness. There's still humans that need to look at the data. Does this make sense? Right. Like, is this data correct? Are we getting the output we expected? And then if we're not, we have to go back to the data and relook at the data and see where's the problem. We don't get to just switch our brain off because a computer said something. You know, we touched on earlier all the different types of um, AR hardware and experiences and hand tracking was one that we had mentioned earlier. Give our listeners some of the problems and solutions there. Computer vision is part of artificial intelligence that deals with images from cameras. If you've got a wearable device with a camera that can see your hands, you know, I could represent my hand position with maybe 30 or so numbers. That worked on this this same principle of let's use computer graphics to draw a hand and see if we can figure out drawing it to match the camera hand. How do you find those values? Where do you start? We develop these energy functions, which just say for any set of parameters, how good is that? Um, And then you can imagine if you had infinite time, you could just try, you know, 10 billion sets of parameters and pick the best one. Just for for people who are listening, you know, that this concept of optimization and the gradient, you're really just talking about how you can make your model more accurate, right? We call that optimization because it's about finding the minimum value Mm -hmm. of that function and how it enables people to pick up the holograms and physically interact with them, spin them around, position them in space. My first thought was, oh, are we going to have digital versions of ourselves in the digital world? Yeah, at a 3D representation. Because we already got like a certain representation in 2D, which is from a webcam, right? Exactly. So you already can have a 2D representation in the digital world. Just like what I was talking about, finding the right parameters for your hand. Well, what if we do that for not only your hands, but also your face and your position, your skeleton, like all your, your whole body? Do you want to have digital avatars to put yourself in a 3D space with some a real or cartoon likeness and and how do you feel about that you know what i would have to say like i would want to try it right i would say for myself i'm open to it depending on the dynamics of where my digital avatar is being used right some people want a digital avatar so they can send their avatar into meetings 
And so I don't think that's a particularly good use. We can drum up all different types of what-if scenarios of where it's beneficial and where it's not. I believe it should be up to each person, as long as it's not anything harming anyone. Of course, of course. Or, you know, committing a crime. There There are platforms today where you can give this a try. I'm not particularly interested in having... Your own a avatar. 3D avatar that's like some cartoon version of me. What I'm trying to do with augmented reality and computer vision is enhancing human connection through integration, not isolation. What I'd be interested in for digital avatars is when we could get to a point of full photorealism. Looking at each other and having a conversation, we can actually read each other's nonverbal signals. Uh, okay. Right, because that's an important aspect of human connection and human communication. Yeah. And if we don't have that, then I think we're missing out. I agree with you. I like the humanness of using technology and having that interaction. So to me, it's just sending my avatar to go meet Aisha's avatar at this mall that our avatars are shopping in. I'd rather just go with Asia to the mall yeah. and go shopping. They have just released a, a collection yeah. of personalities. Oh, I got to um, check that, that out. That you can chat with. It's just a way of having a a more human chat experience versus doing it with like a chat bot. Uh, okay. Yeah. That you could have like certain uh, products. Uh, so you could have a, like a particular person that's got a certain personality, certain skills, certain areas of expertise a certain physical appearance, a product that's an AI assistant. I guess one connection would be, do you get the sense that you're talking to a human or a computer? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, this, I guess, was known as the Turing test. And I think with some of the new AI-based chatbots, we have come an extraordinarily long way in it's actually insane the quality of conversations that you can have and the the generative text that can be produced including jokes um poems essays people thought oh a computer would never be able to beat a human at chess it's a different type of thinking and of course like that fell a long time ago yeah or like watson on jeopardy right. <laughs> yes yeah and i think that's the key to what we're all talking about here with this ai and augmented reality episode is that for some people we see all of the opportunities that can come from that and for other people it freaks them out so it'll be really interesting to see as we get more and more into the evolution of our dynamics with ai eventually some of this will become the norm when people were concerned about social media when people concerned about the internet and now it becomes the norm. If the user experience is smoother, then that makes people more open, and I think, yeah. mm-hmm. to interacting with new technologies. Well, I think we covered a lot of amazing things did, about AI did. and augmented reality. Thank you for having Thank me. Thank you so much for all of the new things that we get to think about. And we are so grateful for you guys listening to us, joining us, watching the video, continue to subscribe, tune in, follow us. Yes. And remember that this is your place to have fun, cool conversations about AI for everybody. All right. Take Thank care. You. Bye. Bye. Listen to the AI Chicks on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Video episodes are available on Patreon. And check out our socials at the AI Chicks.